Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. So, not a great start to the Denver Broncos season. Uh, Ian, everyone was drinking the Kool-Aid. Well, not maybe not everybody, but I certainly was. I think you were also drinking the Kool-Aid. Funny thing about that saying is that it refers to the Jonestown cult where everybody drank the Kool-Aid that was filled with poison and then everybody died. Maybe not everybody, but many of them. So drinking the Kool-Aid is essentially drinking poison and killing yourself. And that's kind of what watching the Denver Broncos lose to the Raiders was like on Monday night. To bring it to a, a saying that Vic Fangio made famous in his first news conference as a head coach, they didn't suffer from death by inches. They suffered from death by miles many miles it just felt awful right not (laughs) just was just not fun to watch here's a question did they get off the airplane because that's often a line from teams that don't show up they didn't get off the airplane did the broncos get off the airplane in oakland on sunday afternoon no so i no, and I don't think they could have. I don't. I think that was that was one of the the messages, and and uh, you you sort of went radio silence during the game, which 
doesn't happen often, but I, th- I think I understand why you decided to do that, um, just to be able to watch the first game of the season. But but one of the things that I sent to you was that just they were woefully un- underprepared uh, or unprepared, if you will. And, and I think part of that is it, it did feel like they just were still sitting on the plane waiting to take off and go back to Denver, that they just never showed up for the game. And whatever game plan they had in place wasn't really a game plan that was going to work anyway. And we were talking about this before we started recording and I'll just jump into my little rant here. Now, Steve Levy mentioned it on the broadcast. Um, Steve Levy and, and Brian Greasy and, and Lewis Riddick better than Tessitore and Booger McFarland. I don't know. That's Without for another question. Without question. There is no debate. <laughs> Tessitore and Booger McFarland suck. That's a that's putting it mildly and nicely. But but to to kind of go back off of that tangent and, and back to the game, this looked to me like a team that hadn't played any preseason games because they hadn't. Uh even though the Denver Broncos had the first very first scrimmage, right? The Hall of Fame game we've determined is just a scrimmage. And had the longest preseason in the history of preseasons, 84, 84 years. Eighty-four years. Eighty-four years. The they didn't play any preseason games. Steve Levy said it. They only had some. The starters only had something like twenty snaps throughout the entire preseason. Now I am all for keeping your starters healthy, making sure they're ready for games that actually count towards your record. But with the amount of changes that the Denver Broncos went through in the offseason, new head coach new defensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator, new offensive line coach, new quarterback. Those five changes alone completely change the face of the franchise and the way that the team is going to play football games. And you can practice and get timing and do all of those things as much as you want. There is no substitute for actual gameplay. And the Broncos looked like a team that didn't play in the preseason. Lo and behold, they didn't play in the preseason. And so they looked totally unprepared. They looked confused. They looked lost. And let's face it, they still actually kind of were in this game for most of the game. And I think the thing that ended up flipping the game and flipping momentum was Deshaun Hamilton's inexcusable drop in the end zone. Because you're going from... 14 to 10 to 14 to six, you cost your team four points, but you also cost your team momentum. And I think that was, that completely changed the game because if you're up 14 to 10, your defense has complete momentum and they may come, they might, they may come out more fired up. They may come out wanting to just completely shut down car in that Raiders offense. And instead from that moment on, the team just looked completely deflated, even though that, Credit to Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton with that late touchdown by Emmanuel Sanders to make it 24-16. I, I just I think after that drop by Deshaun Hamilton, it just completely changed the game. Yeah, the 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 complexity of it all, the the way that it the, the complexion of the game, excuse me, uh just completely flipped on its head. And you know it's it's funny you mentioned Emmanuel Sanders and, and Cortland Sutton. Those were the two best players on the field for the Denver Broncos. And they had some rapport with Joe Flacco. And, and again, I go back to this. that That's something that they can gain in practice, and they obviously did. And so that might be your silver lining. The offense looks like there are players 
that are somewhat in sync with one another. But that offensive line didn't look good in the run game. It struggled in pass protection. The run game wasn't stellar. There were there were moments, right? Philip Lindsay had a few a few good rushes. Royce Freeman had some good runs. Th- there were moments, but it wasn't a complete game. And and we talked a lot about this last year uh, in the 2018 season. The Broncos never put together a complete game, right? That was that was always the struggle. And this felt like a continuation of that. And and if you lived on Twitter during the game, then the sky was falling. I think I, I posted very early in the game a, a GIF that said, everybody panic. And I was sort of just joking, and then it turned into a real panic situation. But the, the comparisons of Vic Fangio to Vance Joseph to me were somewhat hilarious. After one game, everyone wants to just throw everything in the garbage. But, and I, I put a big butt on that because I like big butts, and I cannot lie. The the fact that they looked as unprepared as they did bothers me because I feel like Vic Fangio was touted as someone who is prepared, someone who is, is detail-oriented, and they looked like they just didn't know what was going on out there, and that's frustrating. And to me, it was the first game on the road to open the season, Oakland's last Monday night game at Oakland Coliseum. And they just had this whole week of nonsense with Antonio Brown. They wanted to prove to the entire league that they can still play football without Antonio Brown. They had a huge motivating factor on top of all that other stuff I just mentioned. And this is Vic Fangio's first head, his first game as a head coach with the Broncos with all of these players. I, I, I'm the first to admit I had high expectations for this team. And I think they may have been too high because it, it takes time. And Vic Fangio was the first one to say it. John Elway was the first to say it. It takes time. Granted, we wanted them to show and play better, but I think this is the first game. It's a 16 game season. When you look at how the Cleveland Browns looked against the Tennessee Titans or the expectations for Baker Mayfield and that offense were, this is finally the year for Cleveland. You look at the Atlanta Falcons with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and that offense. I mean, I, I get the, I, I get that everyone's frustrated and especially me because I hate losing to the Raiders. You and me have the exact same line where, the Broncos can win two games. Those two wins better be against the Raiders. So to lose to the Raiders pisses me off, and I hate it beyond belief. But I also get the fact that this is the first game. And there's some things that we saw in this game from the Broncos on offense and defense that over the course of the season are correctable. It's one game. Win or lose, you just move on. It's 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 the National Football League. You you don't get too high with a win. You don't get too low with the losses. And I, like I said, I get it. Everyone wants to be frustrated. It's the first game of the season. You want to come out and you want to show that, yeah, we are going to be a good football team. But at the same point, I don't know if it was realistic, especially, like I said, considering all of the circumstances going against them that the Raiders had going for them. So I, I just I think it's going to be very interesting over the course of this season whether or not they can start to get the things corrected that they can obviously get corrected. And I think one of them is the play calling. 
because in between the 20s, the play calling was fine. But then you get inside to the red zone and Rich Scangarella decides he's going to whip out these Chip Kelly-esque college trick plays. It doesn't make any sense. You completely alter what your offense is doing, stick with what's working, and maybe you end up getting touchdowns instead of field goals. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you make a really good point there. But the, the problem I have with the point that you're making, and it's not your point, it's it's that it's a point that needs to be made. And it feels very 2018-esque or 2017-esque, if you will, or even 2016-esque. It goes all the way back, to, maybe even 2015, although that defense was able to carry the Broncos to victories, whereas 16, 17, 18, and now uh, uh, seemingly 2019, the the Broncos' defense is struggling to carry a team that, between the 20s, is fantastic on offense. But get into the red zone, and it's it's time for Brandon McManus to come out and kick a field goal. And and that really is frustrating. And 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 as much as I enjoy Brandon McManus, I I, I and have had Twitter interactions with him, and it's it's fun. I don't I don't want to see his face anymore. I'm tired of watching him kick field goals. Not not for nothing. I, I like that he's the Broncos kicker, but it is it would be better to see him kick extra points. That's what I want to see. And one of the things that we talked about in the preseason that never happened was the first team offense never scored a touchdown. Now they, they did t- against the Raiders. They did on Monday night against the Raiders. They finally put one in the end zone. But it was garbage time at the end of the game, and the Raiders defense was playing off. And it's frustrating as a fan to constantly see your team fail to put points on the board when it matters. And and that's what Denver Broncos fans have been living with for the last few years is a team that struggles to put points on the board, a team that struggles to finish drives. And throughout the preseason, we said they need to, they need to learn how to finish, finish drives. They need to learn how to finish drives. And the only way you learn how to do that is by finishing drives. And if you play one series and you're done and you threw the ball five times or whatever, and that was it. And then you kicked a field goal, but Hey, they're going to be better in the regular season. Why would we have expected them to be better in the regular season than they were in the preseason? Because they never finished anything. So they don't know how to finish anything. And that's the big issue that I think we're going to have with the, with the Broncos offense really through the first few games. That's something that I am afraid will linger. The defense will pick it up. I think the defense will play better. I think you're absolutely right about, you know, playing in the black hole, last game in, last Monday night game in Oakland, yada, 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 right? All of that stuff is, it's, it's all intangibles that really do play a factor. But the offensive issues are the issues that are, are going to linger. They can linger throughout games, and it can cost them. And they don't have a simple schedule. Bears are coming up that have a very good defense. Khalil Mack is terrifying. The Packers, who have a very good offense, and it's a road game against the Packers. I think just those two games right there, not to get too far ahead of of ourselves, are a little bit scary with an offense that's totally inept, and that's what they look like. Are the offensive concerns really there, though? Because would we be saying this if Deshaun Hamilton catches that pass in the end zone? Yeah, yes. Yes, I'm going to say yes, and here's why. Even if the game turns around and the Broncos are able to pull out a win, we're happier, right? We're smiling. We're enjoying ourselves. Maybe we're joking a little bit more. Um, But we're also a little bit concerned with the play calling and a little bit concerned with the fact that uh, there were some issues on the offensive line and that the, 
that that the play calling wasn't wasn't quite right. We're still a little concerned there. I, I'm I'm aware that if if he catches that ball, the tenor of the game changes. But I'm also aware of our own ability to sort of see through some of maybe I'm maybe I'm getting you know a little too too proud of ourselves. But we we kind of see through some of the BS at times, and I think we would have both of us noticed that you know player you know the players are going to struggle this doesn't look quite right that's kind of the impression that i get from it the other concerning aspect of this is the broncos had zero sacks you have von miller and bradley chubb and you have zero sacks now i I think a large credit of that goes to john gruden and the offensive plan that he put forth and the fact that Derek Carr got rid of the ball as quickly as he did. Well, and, but, and give some and, credit to Isaac Yadam for being terrible. Oh, I, I mean, I we talked about how it seemed like the secondary was now going to be a strength for this team. Yeah. Well, that was completely whoops. We whiffed on that. But I do think one of the strong I, – I do think Kareem Jackson is another guy who I think had a, a very strong game because when he finally was covering the Raiders tight end, it was his name, Darren, Waller. Darren Waller is his name. Waller. Yes, Darren Waller. They finally were able to cover a tight end, but prior to that, to answer the question of whether the Broncos can cover a tight end, no. Can they cover a running back? No. Can they yeah. stop the running game? No. That's a lot of things that you that you can't do that you kind of need to do on defense. Just just saying. It just it, it, like you've been saying, it was the first game under a first year head coach in a new defensive system with a new offensive coordinator, and it looked like that. It as much as we don't want it, I think there are going to be struggles. I think there, there's going to be a learning curve in all of this. I think it's going to take time for this team to get to the point where when you look at the Chicago Bears, they didn't get to the point where they are right away. It took at least three to four years before the Bears got to where they are. So I think we need to give a little bit of leeway to Vic Fangio and what he wants to do with this football team. I I, I just – I think – the biggest issue that this team is going to have going forward is going to be the offensive line. I just, I don't think it's going to be any different than it has been the last couple of years. I just don't see it. And it took until what late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter to finally get the special teams miscue, but it arrived. It did. It did show up like a, like it turned up like a bad penny. Uh, I don't even know what that saying means, but people say it sometimes. You know, you you bring up an interesting point, and, I, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it up, but then I think we should table it. The Denver Broncos fan base, right? Broncos country has been through three years. Let's call it three years: sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, right? Of what I would consider to be substandard football by a franchise that is that has a standard it should live up to. Uh, you know, 500 in, in 2016, and then two losing seasons in a row. I think the question becomes, and, and like I said, I think we maybe table this question for, not that this is a cliffhanger, but maybe it is. We, we've done that before. How long do you give this coaching staff? And, and, and I think you could include John Elway in that, although I think 
perhaps John Elway's job is 100% safe until the ownership situation gets figured out. But how long do you give this coaching staff to turn things around, to, to implement their system? Like, for example, when a college hires a new coach, generally speaking, they give them five years. You get a five-year contract. The idea being, for a while, you're playing with somebody else's players in your system, but as you recruit and bring new guys in, you should be implementing your system with your players. So how long do you give Vic Fangio and Rich, Rich Scangarello and, and, and Ed Donatel, and how long do you give this coaching staff before you say, yeah, this isn't going to work? And, and, and I don't know that we can really answer that question tonight. Well, I think it's longer than one game. <laughs> yes, I, I agree with that. There were there were definitely some panicky Twitter Twitter people out there in the Twitterverse saying that uh, Vic Fangio looked just like uh, Vance Joseph. Let, let's slow down just a little bit. I mean, we can't expect perfection right away, eventually, but not right away. Is that is that the point there? Yes, that's exactly the point. And I think we need to bring down our expectations for what this football team can do. I mean, I still think this football team can go nine and seven. It is just one game. It's a road game in the division and it's a game against your biggest rival. So there are other factors going on here. So let's give it some time. Let's not completely freak out. And yes, I know I'm like the king of emotional responses and it's gotta be this way or that way it's black and white. I just I don't see it that way with Vic Fangio and what he wants to do with his football team because I let's allow him to get the guys into this system. Let's allow them to get used to it, to get comfortable with it. And I, I to me, the biggest issue I have with this game is the offensive play calling. To me, that was the biggest issue I have because if they stop being cute in the red zone, when they're moving the ball down the field, who knows how it changes. If you open it up and then let Emmanuel Sanders on that long pass play for 48 yards, I wanted them to do that to open the game. Because I remembered 2014 against the Kansas City Chiefs, Peyton Manning did that with Emmanuel Sanders. I wanted them to do that with Joe Flacco because that's what he does. He has the ability to do it. Go over the middle with Cortland Sutton. So I hope that once Scangarello gets into a groove and gets used to his players and gets used to being the play caller, that these things will work themselves out. But right now, that that is the most glaring issue I have from this game at this point. I would agree with that, and I, I think just on top of that, I think some of those issues and, and the offensive play-calling issues that you talk about, I think those come from not actually playing any preseason games that uh, allowed them to really figure out what worked and what didn't work. When you just run in three or four plays and then you're done, I, I just don't see any ability to polish that up. So to your point, because of that, it's going to take a game or two, and, and this was a, a learning experience for the Denver Broncos. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.